Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Dermatologists, there's now a game just for you. Play Top Derm, a knowledge game built by 140 dermatology experts, free on the App Store and Google Play Store. Top Derm includes unique, high-resolution skin imagery and fun, rapid-fire challenges. Learn more at topdermgame.com. That's topdermgame.com. From their childhood dreams to the most pivotal moments of their careers, the stories of dermatology's most influential leaders will be revealed through a new series of Dialogues in Dermatology podcasts, Titans of Dermatology. Join us as we explore the personal characteristics, emotions, and messages from dermatologists who have made indelible impacts on the field. Hello, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. My name is Harrison Wynn, and I'm a dermatology resident from the Emory University School of Medicine. Today's episode is part of the special series, Titans of Dermatology, where we sit down with some of dermatology's most influential leaders to hear their stories and to reflect on their life path. I'm joined today by Dr. Dirk Elson. Dr. Elson is a professor and chairman of the Department of Dermatology and Dermatologic Surgery at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. He is a past president of the American Academy of Dermatology and the American Society of Dermatopathology, has served on the board of directors of the International Society of Dermatopathology and the American Board of Dermatology, and currently serves as the editor of the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. He's the author of a whopping 566 peer-reviewed publications and multiple textbooks. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology, Dr. Elson. Thanks so much. Can you start by telling uh, the listeners about your childhood and upbringing, Dr. Elson? What were you like as a child? What was I like as a child? Well, I guess I was a daydreamer as a child. You know, I, li- I liked books. I liked stories. I liked images. Every derm patient has a story, and we're all about images, so it's a, it's a good fit. And what were your dreams as a child? I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. <laughs> dolphin trainer. Lo- loved animals, loved dolphins. And so what, why, not, why didn't you do a career in veterinary medicine? versus human medicine? It's a good question. I got the medicine bug as I grew older. My grandmother was a physician and my older brother's a physician and I liked the science and fell in love with dermatology. When did in your path did you choose to go into dermatology and what, why did you fall in love with it? But really it's always the people you work with, right? So um, I was uh, thinking of infectious disease and internal medicine, and I did a derm rotation. And um, Tim Berger was young faculty at the time, and I was just blown away by how you know how talented people were and the the scope of things that they saw and treated. And but you know you have exposure to a great teacher, and you you have a great month. And I could see myself very happy in derm. And so you, you went on to complete residency at the Walter Reed Medical Center. What drew you to the armed forces and what was your career in the military like? Well, I mean, what drew me to the armed forces is what draws most people. We, I needed the financial help for med school. And for me, it was very good path. They paid for what, you know, at the time was something that I and my parents just couldn't afford. And 
I did my payback and ended up doing 24 years total. We had great training programs in the military and great teaching programs. And I was lucky enough to spend the last 10 years of my military career at a teaching program in San Antonio, Texas at Burke Army and Wolford Hall. And it, it was a marvelous time. We just really enjoyed what we were doing. Everyone was mission-driven and focused, and we had 21 residents at the time, great residents who were interested in every aspect of Durham. And the time goes by quickly, especially when you're having fun. Wow, 24 years in the military. Thank you for your service, Dr. Elson. When, when you think about your time in the military, are there one or two stories that stand out? Well, we used to see, you know, incredible things. So military medicine has a worldwide scope and people deploy and I have the interest in infectious disease and we would see everything from leprosy to leishmaniasis and everything in between, deep fungal infections, um, everything that you see in the U.S. and everything that you see abroad. And I had opportunities to travel as well and see some of how medicines practiced in other countries. And it's an eye-opener. Countries with fewer resources and really sharp clinicians who have great clinical skills because they just don't have all the laboratory and imaging backup that we have, and they develop their clinical skills, and they're, they're really good. And we can learn a lot from them. So for me, I was like a kid in a candy store having seeing all those, uh, those great things from around the world. And w at what point in your path did you decide to pursue dermatopathology? Well, very early. So, you know, we had great teachers in dermpath. Tim Berger was one, Dean Pearson, George Lupton, and I loved it. And so I decided early, now the needs of the military always take precedence. So it was five years practicing dermatology before I, I was allowed to train in Dermpath. But then I got a great fellowship with Wilma Bergfeld at the Cleveland Clinic. Thank you, Wilma. She's been, you know, a great teacher, friend, and mentor over the years. And it really was the best fellowship I could have hoped for. And uh, I've had a wonderful time since then practicing complex medical derm and derm path. And the two often complement one another and fit together very nicely. Right. And so you've mentioned Dr. Tim Berger, Dr. Wilma Bergfeld as being uh, key mentors in your path. What advice have they shared with you that has stuck with you over the years? Well, I'll, I'll mention um, Bill James as well as another person who, you know, was an important teacher early on in, in clinical derm and has been a, you know, friend and mentor since. So interesting things that they taught me. Wilma, when I asked her, you know, how she had excelled in her career, her answer was just say yes. People ask you to do things, say yes, and then deliver do it. And so, you know, that was a really helpful piece of advice. And then, you know, other friends along the way, Tom Helm, who's a, you know, great dermatologist and dermatopathologist taught me how to say no, that you don't always have to say yes, right? 
And, you know, there are, are times where it's not going to benefit the specialty. It's not going to benefit an individual. And, you know, it's really okay to say no and to um, balance things with what your family needs as well. Well, speaking of your family, can you tell Dialogues listeners about your family? So my um, parents were both teachers and I got the teaching bug from them. You know, they were they were great teachers. They loved what they did. And so getting to practice medicine and teach is, you know, that's really a, a great life to be able to lead. And you have two kids. Is that right, Dr. Ellison? I know one of them is a yep. rheumatologist. What's conversation in the Ellison household like? Oh, well, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, we, we love cooking and gardening and, and bicycling. And um, so, you know, we're just as with my daughter, who's a dermatologist and dermatopathologist, we're just as likely to talk about gardening or food as we are about derm. But it's really fun to, to be able to share cases and interest with someone who's, you know, in the same niche of medicine that you are. We've been roommates at the Durham and Durham Pass meetings since she was in med school, and it's really fun. Even when we were geographically separated, you know you're going to see each other at the meeting, hang around for meals, and get to see each other and go to great sessions together. And I'd be in one session, and I'd get a text from her from another, you know, this is the best session of the meeting. Get over here. And it's fun to have someone who shares common interests. Right, right. And she is, of course, following your, your footsteps as a dermatologist, dermatopathologist, and now academic uh, dermatologist. What, what, um, how do you balance trying to support her own path while also recognizing that she has huge footsteps to follow in? Well, I mean, um, she actually expressed that um, concern to one of our residents when, you know, she was younger and we were in Pennsylvania and she said, I don't want to be a second rate Elston in dermatology. <laughs> so first off, she never would be. I mean, she's, she's fantastic. She's the smarter Elston, but the resident said, you know, you've got the best of all worlds. You're female. If you want, just take your husband's name and then you're not Nelson anymore. <laughs> And, you know, so you, you, you can be whatever you want to be and you don't have to, you know, if the, if the name is something you're worried about, you can always change it. So, you know, she has made her own path and, you know, I'm very proud of everything that she's accomplished and she will never be a second rate Elston. I'll, I'll be the one who'll be, you know, recognized as you, you were Carly's dad, right? <laughs> Well, dermatology is certainly fortunate to have Elston impact. You have trained and mentored so many dermatology residents and dermatopathology fellows over the years. What do you look for when you are selecting and mentoring trainees? Someone, first off, who's going to be a great physician. People who go in for it, go into it for the right reasons. I knew Carly was truly hooked on derm when I caught her reading porphyrias when she was on a different rotation. And she had a patient who was photosensitive and, you know, she obviously had the bug, right? You can tell people who just, they want to be physicians and they, they want to be good physicians. And that's first and foremost what we look for. And then we look for people who have potential to give something back. 
And there are lots of different ways to give back. You can give back in extraordinary patient care. You can give back in international medicine. You can give back in advocacy, in teaching. There are so many opportunities in dermatology. We're a small specialty, and yet we have a tremendous impact within medicine and worldwide. And it's because we have people who are willing to give back and go that extra mile. And we know you had a tough work week and it's tired at the end of the week. But people who get excited about teaching opportunities or mission trips or, you know, whatever it is that that gets their motor running, it's just so much fun to see what those people achieve and see how proud they make you over the years. Right. So you mentioned those two principles of having that medicine bug and looking to give back. It sounds like it's this, this passion, this particular passion that, uh, that you look for and certainly you embody yourself. Um, yeah. I mean, me- medicine's a calling, right? right? It's not just a job, it's a calling. And some people, you know, really feel it. And, you know, you can just see the excitement and how meaningful it is to them. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about your current role. Uh, you currently serve as editor-in-chief of the JAD and help guide its rise to the top of the rankings and impact factor among dermatology journals. I'm curious as to what your day-to-day looks like as editor-in-chief. What does the job entail? What are your favorite and least favorite parts of the work? Well, you know, I, w- I was fortunate to have spent 10 years as deputy editor um, under Bruce Thiers, who um, really helped the journal forward. And and the journal is constantly changing. You know, medicine is changing. The way we receive information is changing. You know, when it comes to information technology, our residents are fond of saying, you know, oh, that that's so last week, right? You know, things change quickly. And the JAD changes with it. There are people learn in different ways. They get information in different ways. So the JAD embraces lots of new technologies, everything from from video to podcasts. You know, there are lots of ways that you can make the information more accessible, more relevant to people. And that's really what it's all about, right, is the journal is about making us better at taking care of our patients. And so when we're looking at articles, we want articles that really are going to have an impact on medicine, patient care, and outcomes. And then translate it. So the capsule summaries, the abstract is about the structure of the study, how it was done, what the outcomes were, and the conclusions. The capsule summary is, how does this change practice? Right? Right. That's what it's all about. You know, with every article, that's what it's about, is how does this change the way we practice? And so we try to make that bite-sized and digestible for people. You know, I've been diabetic for years. My dad had heart disease. So I work out every morning. I'm on the elliptical every morning. JAD takes place on the elliptical, guys. <laughs> you know, it, it takes place in the evening, too. You know, there, there's always something going on with the journal. But every morning, it's the first thing I do. And I look forward to getting up each morning and getting on the elliptical and seeing what's waiting for me in my JAD queue. <laughs> I'll have to think about that next time I open the the JAD, that a lot of this work happened on the elliptical. That's, you know, the laptop just balances perfectly on that machine on the handles, and it's just perfect. What are your favorite and least favorite parts of the job? 
well, I don't have a least favorite part. You know, <laughs> I, I uh, um, it's it's a you know a privilege and an honor to to get to work with the JAD, and I'm just lucky I've gotten to do it for so long. And we have such a fantastic team of editors and dedicated editorial board and reviewers. And, you know, it encompasses many of the dermatologists in our specialty are involved with the journal. And it's our journal, right? It's our society's journal. And people really value it. It's the number one cited benefit of membership to the AAD. People really, they're proud of it. They value it. They want to be part of it. And it's just fun to be involved with it. And people really want to do a good job. You know, they want the journal to have the best and most impactful articles. They want them to be concise, to deliver, you know, what you need to know in a digestible manner of, you know, how you can understand it and how you can apply it to your practice. Well, I think you alluded earlier that even though dermatology is such a small field, we have a tremendous impact. And I I certainly believe that the the JAD has uh, contributes to that uh, significantly. So and that, that's true. I mean, we have the honor of being cited as one of the 100 most influential journals of the last 100 years. That's a pretty big deal in medicine, especially when we're a small specialty. That's outstanding. And, and how has the experience, how's your experience so far compared to perhaps your expectations prior to assuming the role? You know, it's really good to go into it with no expectations. <laughs> And that way, you know, you will not be disappointed. Fortunately, I had been involved in other journals before. Cutis early on got involved with, and it's a you know great way that our residents get their first articles published. And, you know, it, Cutis has great images, center on the images and the man versus the environment section that are niche areas that we all turn to and, and like to see and read about. So there are lots of opportunities out there to get involved in different journals. And as you gain some skill sets, you know, it's like anything else in life. You, you do something, you get a little better at it and a little faster at it. And then opportunities came up to be part of JAD and e-medicine and, you know, other opportunities. And it's, they're synergistic. You know, it's not, each one isn't adding additional work. They are complementary to one another. And um, you learn so much from it. It really makes you a better physician being involved. Absolutely. Could not agree more. You've had such an incredibly prolific and influential career in dermatology. And you mentioned earlier about the role of your mentors and uh, being a yes man. And then at the same time, knowing when to, when to say no. What else do you attribute your success to, Dr. Elson? Well, my friend Kathy Schwarzenberger, she she summed it up beautifully. She said, you know, she spent the first half of her life looking for balance. And then she it finally dawned on her, there's no balance. There's only resilience. <laughs> and, you know, you decide what's important to you, right? And um, things that, what energizes you and what drains you? gravitate towards the things that energize you and away from the things that drain you. So, you know, for me, patient care energizes me. Teaching energizes me. I love the JAD. I love learning new things, discovering new things. Those things are energizing. And the 
you know, the more you can do of the things that you love, it's the old quip, you know, find a job you love and you never work another day in your life. Um, We're, we're fortunate in Durham. I mean, what a great life and career to have. There are no bad jobs in dermatology. So it sounds like, as you say, a genuine understanding of what drives you and and, uh, being able to be honest with yourself. Right. Right. You know, there are things that you feel like I really should be doing this, but I hate it. I mean, it tires me out. It drains me. Those are the things to say no to. You know, what are the things that you love that you really want to do? Do more of what you're good at. Well, I think as someone who I, you know, I appreciate that. And as someone perhaps very junior in my career, um, I, sometimes I feel like I can't necessarily say no to things that are draining. I had to feel almost like I have to say yes uh, at, you know, at, at this point in my career. Was there a point in your path that you felt like you can start kind of picking and choosing what you say yes and no to? I would think maybe it came gradually. My wife still would say I don't always know how to say no <laughs> to things. Um, but there's things I want to do. You know, I want to be part of them. Um, and yes, I mean, especially early on and even later in your career, those are things you do because you they're good for you, right? right? You may not like your broccoli, but you eat it because you know it's good for you. And there are those things in, in Durham, too, that you do to be a good physician and to be a good citizen. Right, right. When you reflect on your career and path, is there anything you would have done differently? I don't think they're right and wrong choices. They're just different choices and different paths, right? right. And, you know, you life hands you lemons and you make lemonade out of them and you move on. And I've been very fortunate. You know, not everything has has gone the way I planned Another old saying is life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. There's a lot of truth to that, right? right? And you sort of make the best of every opportunity you're given in whatever situation you're in. Right. Well, speaking of making plans or perhaps not making plans, uh, what are your future aspirations, Dr. Ellison? Well, I love what I'm doing. We hope to be grandparents in the not too distant future and, you know, spend time with, with family. I absolutely love what I do at work. I love every minute I spend, but they always say, you know, few people on their deathbed wish they had spent more time at the office, right? So you have to balance it with family as well. And, you know, really take time to enjoy those people around you, both at work and at home. Right. Well, we, we have loved hearing your path and hearing from how you choose trainees to what drives you. Based on your experiences, what is your advice to future dermatologists? The, the, the only constant in life is change. The world is changing, right? When I was in med school, they, they were predicting the, you know, the death knell of medicine as we know it. Everything was, the sky was falling the sky's been falling for almost 40 years now and we're doing just fine. And, you know, any day that I can get up and teach and take care of patients and see my family in the evening is a good day. I'm pretty simple, right? You know, I, I love my work. I, I love my family and I'm just 
very lucky to be able to do what I do. So, you know, enjoy every day. One of my 104-year-old patients said, any, any day I wake up and I'm on the right side of the grass is a good day. And, you know, as COVID was a wake up for a lot of us that life can be short and you make the most of it and appreciate the people around you. Right. I think you certainly embody these principles of adaptability, resilience, following your passion and, and enjoying every day, perhaps with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Well, on behalf of Dialogues listeners, I'd like to thank you for your time today, Dr. Elston. Uh, it's truly pioneers like you that have shaped dermatology for years to come, and we are fortunate to be able to learn from your example. Thanks again, Dr. Elston. Thanks so much. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.